This week, we have another full slate of games to look forward to. Luckily for us, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has us covered with so many different ways to get in on the action. DraftKings Sportsbook is based right here in the U.S., not offshore, so you know your funds are safe and secure. Plus, they have new odds, boosts, and promotions on your favorite sports every day. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet from wherever, whenever, you don't even have to leave your house. And for those where sports betting is not yet available, head to the DraftKings app and check out all of their daily fantasy contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SI when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code SI to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Yo, what's up? Welcome inside the SI Gambling Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. The three-man weave, Corey, Frankie, and Benny. Coming to you after a super wild card weekend, and we got the national championship tonight between the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Ohio State Buckeyes. A lot to get into, a lot to break down and dissect. First of all, let me see how you gentlemen are doing. Ben, what's up with you, my man? What's up, Corey? What's up, Frankie? Good to be on with you guys. Happy Monday. Happy end of the super wild card round. And what was a weird wild card round, too? Like, as a Bears fan and watching a lot of these underdogs do really well against the spread, I Kind of got my hopes up a little bit thinking, all right, maybe they'll be competitive. Maybe they'll put up a fight. Maybe they'll go with the trend of some of these underdogs winning outright. Turns out not the case. They put up an absolute stinker. The Saints move on. You get two old-ass quarterbacks facing each other in the next round, what should be a very exciting game between Tampa Bay and New Orleans. But overall, a very solid weekend. How about you guys? Frankie, what's the deal with you, my man? How's everything going for you? How was the weekend? Well, Saturday was absolutely incredible. Uh, One of the best days that we've had over in the SI pro community. It was just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, And, you know, and it's, it's been that way literally for the past month, but yesterday was a reality check that there, the information can lose at certain times. And that game and the way that that game unfolded and the way that it began from start to finish, literally the first snap of the game with the Pittsburgh Steelers just being an absolute no-show. I mean, you have a veteran quarterback that's been around for so many years. All he has to literally do, him or James Conner, is literally kick the ball out of the back of the end zone. We're looking at a safety. They kick the ball away, you know, maybe a two-point play, and it's no harm, no foul. Before you know it, it's a seven-point play. They don't kick the ball out of the end zone. It's recovered for a touchdown. And from there, the wheels just absolutely came off, and Ben Roethlisberger would go on to throw three first-half interceptions and let that game get completely out of control. But it's just amazing because sometimes the Vegas Whispers information, you look at it and you try to, you know, really dive in deeper and say, you know, what exactly went wrong? Was this really the wrong side? But, you know, it's hard to really have any kind of strong conviction whether that was whether the Cleveland Browns were the wrong side or the right side yesterday. They did come away with the victory. But think about this, guys. They had five turnovers from Ben Roethlisberger. Five. Okay. And they still only lost the game by 11 points. In an NFL playoff games, uh, most times, if you tell me that they were going to have five turnovers, they should be losing by 30 points in a playoff game. But it just shows that, you know, if we take away those five plays, including that first play of the game where they just handed them seven points on literally the first play of the game, 
you know, we're looking at a completely different game, I'm sure. But, you know, that's what happens. So now it's time to bounce back. And we have a big uh, a big wager going into the college football national championship that we'll get into later tonight. But overall, it was another solid weekend. But it just ended on a sour note because Pittsburgh did not come through the way that a lot of us were all anticipating. Uh, no doubt about it. And, you know, definitely shout out to the whole crew. Another big Vegas Whispers winning weekend. Like Not, just, not just for the Vegas Whispers, too. Like, but what's nice about the SI Pro community, Corey, just to, to hop in for a second, no is, that, is that everybody is incredibly transparent. So, like, if Frankie has a couple of his personal plays that, that aren't a part of the actual Vegas Whispers plays, if they're not part of the unofficial respected plays that you get uh, as part of being an SI Pro member, we talk about it, we're transparent, we go ahead and make sure that you know whether or not we won on those plays or we lost. There's plenty of really sharp people that are a part of the community that want to share whatever information they have too. So it's goes. what's great about it is that it goes beyond just the scope of these are the Vegas Whispers plays and everything else you can stay away from. It's a full-on community, and I think you saw that especially this weekend with a lot of really insightful plays. Yeah, no doubt. You're 100% right, guys. And, and, and that goes over to the DFS side. That goes over to the fans. Yeah. Who helped, ben Roethlisberger helped on the DFS side, though. If you had Pittsburgh and you, in, your, in your DraftKings lineups for Saturday and Sunday, that I, listen, I, I had about 40 points on my Saturday-Sunday lineup, but I had a lineup with Big Ben, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Deontay Johnson. Uh, and I have to tell you that uh, that lineup helped get me in some money towards the end when I thought I was completely dead in the water. Well, that's what's good about it, because even when the information gets everyone on inserting and helping them to maybe favor towards inserting or stacking those teams, even when you don't have the opportunity to cash at the betting window, it gives you the opportunity to cash over on the DFS side, because maybe if you didn't have that strong lean previously towards Ben Roethlisberger, when you heard that the information was to was backing the Steelers, then it makes you look to stack those players. So at least you have that opportunity of possibly cashing on the DFS side when at the betting window, maybe you came up short. No doubt about it. So everything, good vibes going all around. Some of my <clears throat> takeaways right quick from Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, first of all, great job by Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens going to Tennessee and getting that victory. I caught it on Sunday morning on the William Hill Sportsbook at plus three and a half. I mean, excuse me, at minus three and a half at even money at plus 100. So I was able to get that one down. Um, so I felt good about that. Also, I, Nickelodeon did an excellent job with that <laughs> with, the, with that broadcast yesterday. They did a very fine job. Not like they had a great football game, but just the announcers, Nate Burleson, obviously very good. And then um, I, I believe that's our old boy's son. Sounds just like him. It's uh, Noah, good- Noah, Noah Eagle. He's Ian Eagle's son. And uh, yeah. I, I, Ian's, Ian's been a friend of the industry for the last handful of years. I, I shot him a text to congratulate him. And he said he was funny. I get a couple texts during the game. and uh, But I got so many about the success of the Nickelodeon game. So a proud papa, Ian Eagle, uh, after just his son, who's also the play-by-play voice, the television play-by-play voice, uh, I believe, of the Los Angeles Clippers. He's either radio or television, but uh, Noah Eagle's been doing a good job for a long time, and uh, he's a, certainly a, a high talent in this industry, going to be around for a long, long time. And what I did like about one of the, one of the and, and you may get a kick out of this too, Ben, one of the things I like about the broadcast is when they were explaining the benching that MVP Mitch took throughout the course <laughs> of the season, they were saying it's kind of like he was on punishment, like he was being grounded by the Bears organization, and I thought that was pretty cool uh, right there. But, um, yeah, those were some of, some of the takeaways. Obviously, last night with the Sugar Honey Ice Tea Show, especially being that I had a Alabama-Pittsburgh Moneyline parlay rolling, that's not going to hit, so i got to go back to the window tonight. Frankie, some of the things that you liked over the weekend. 
Uh, well, you know, just looking right now, I mean, like, obviously, I mean, Tampa Bay having that, you know, specific, uh, you know, we had, we looked at New Orleans, excuse me, uh, you know, teasing them down and completing it with, uh, with the Alabama tonight. So at least that one stays alive. We also hit on the, the monster teaser that we put in with Buffalo, uh, you know, linked to, uh, you know, looking towards, we had Buffalo linked. And Washington, I mean, in Tampa. Tampa, yes. And both of those, you know, came through, th- you know, thankfully, because as we know, Buffalo won the game, but didn't cover the spread. But in the teaser wagers, guys, I heard so much talk once again. Now, you got to remember that, you know, th- this is older than any of us, but there was talk um, years ago, I would probably say even before my arrival out here in the desert in 2010, I would say that there was uh, strong talk that a lot of the odds makers and the old time odds makers were looking to remove the possibility or the option of using teasers in the NFL playoffs because they felt that they were getting with the sharp players were starting to create their models even back then and being a little bit ahead of the time. Um, with the opportunity of moving the line six, six and a half or seven points in their favor. And once again, the, the odds makers that I spoke to today were calling it bloody Sunday and a bloody weekend overall. And the reason why is the majority of these games, no matter which way you teased with a hit. either team, most of the times you got home. You got home with the Colts. You got home with the Bills. You got home with the Rams. You got home with the Bucks. You got home with Washington. You got home with with Chicago. You got home with New Orleans. You got home with Cleveland. Got home with the Ravens. You know, you didn't get home with uh, with Tennessee or or Pittsburgh. But you know, for the majority of the time, guys, if you're doing two team teasers, the books are getting absolutely annihilated. And if you notice. One, some of the biggest wagers that we shared with the Vegas Whisper Shops was two team teasers that we have another one open to tonight's national championship game. And one of, you know, one of them came through for us over the weekend and one of them did not because we had Pittsburgh, you know, at a pick them. But, you know, that, 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 that's the way that some of these things often go. But guys, it's just so interesting to hear that at a certain point, not too long ago, within the past couple of decades, odds makers were looking at trying to remove these kind of wagers, the two team teasers or three team teasers, specifically the two team ones. And that's why they've out here in Vegas, they've started to start to really juice this up. Some places now you got to pay a dollar forty or a dollar fifty in juice just to be able to do a two team seven point teaser because they're trying their best to make sure that everyone is deterred and discouraged from making that wager because these wages are hitting so often. It hit they were a monster problem for all sports books out here in Vegas last year. And once again, in the opening round of the wild card, where four uh, underdogs once again came through, you know, I highlighted this in the, in the article last night over at SI gambling, you know, and guys, it, 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 it really rears its ugly head outside of Seattle and Cleveland. No other team won by more than one, a one possession score. In, in the final score. So if you're teasing either side of these games, and there are guys, there are some certain books out there that'll actually let you tease the yes. same game on yes. both sides. And if yes. you're doing that, you're crushing the books even more. So it's just I'm, amazing to see. At Delaware Park, um, you, well, right, not now, but Delaware Park before they went to legal when they used to have the teaser cards and the parlay cards, you could tease both, you could tease both teams. And I remember one year going into Thanksgiving, I knocked their head off. But anyway, 
<laughs> the audacity of bookmakers after whipping our ass for, for, for 16 weeks, we get one week and now you want to juice it up to $2? Come on, man. Get out of here. That's lame. You're going to get us back. Trust me. March Madness, all that national championship. I know you're going to get us back. Let us have our let us have our shine, at least for this one weekend. Ben, what were some of your takeaways from Wild Card or Super Wild Card weekend? Yeah, I, I think what was interesting is we were talking about a lot of these same team, two team teasers. I, I, I was very confident um, to be able to jump on that Saturday night game as part of a same game, two team teaser and ended up costing me because I thought it was going to be a clear cut under in that game. I, I didn't like Tom Brady in prime time. I thought Washington's defense was going to come out ready to play. And on the other side, you know, it was going to be either some combination of Alex Smith or uh, Ty, was, I don't even remember if it was Taylor Heineke or Tyler Heineke. I'm not trying to put any disrespect on his name, but I mean, the dude played his ass off and that over ended up hitting fairly quickly. Uh, and so even though I teased the the number up and got it at 51 and a half on the under, I felt great about that in Washington plus 14 and a half. Didn't end up happening. And sometimes, yeah, you're just going to to get some some rough situations come out as a result of it, even when all the numbers indicate that it should happen. Uh, but I, I think as far as overall takeaways from wildcard weekend is that you continue to see, I, I think for the most part, this is the first time in the last three years, guys, that you saw a bunch of totals that hit over 46. Yeah. The last time we saw an over hit above 46 was back in, in 2018 on the final Sunday game on wildcard weekend. So you saw more offense than initially anticipated. I think the two games where you expected the most offense in Indianapolis and Buffalo, um, it, it didn't hit the over in either of those two games. Uh, yeah, and it, hit, it, hit, it hit the closing number, though. 50 and a half. It came all the way down to 50 and a half. Everyone yep. steamed yes. that total, and it went over by a hook. Yes, you're, you're you're right on that, Frank. I think a lot of people had tried to jump in uh, at 51 and 51 and a half yep. in the early yeah, part of the You're exactly right. Yeah, no, definitely. And they got a bad beat. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad beat. Trust me, I know. They did. But I, I think overall assessment is that you saw – you saw some offenses come to play, and at the same time, you saw some defenses really look sharp. I mean, I did not anticipate the Rams to be able to come in uh, losing John Walford, Jared Goff playing on half a hand, and still finding a way to beat up on Seattle, which had really turned their defense around. I mean, that offense was so good in the first half of the season and completely vanished some serious coaching, coaching issues on that side. And like we talked about, some of the games on the Sunday slate, I thought it was so important for Lamar Jackson to get over those playoff demons that had been haunting him the last couple of years. And I think Baltimore is one of those teams where it's a really intriguing matchup. And, you know, we'll talk about maybe the opening lines in a little bit, but I, I'm looking at them in that matchup against Buffalo uh, and looking at them in a very advantageous spot because I thought they were really impressive, especially getting down early to Tennessee. It's going to be interesting. And we will hop into uh, that stuff. And are you about to say something, Frankie? Yeah, I was just going to say, what do you guys also think? I mean, I'm just going to throw this to, to you guys real quick. Just want your thoughts on this. You know, there was a lot of uh, t negative talk about the achievements of Lamar Jackson in the playoffs, you know, and he finally got the monkey off his back getting his first playoff career victory. But wouldn't we be remiss if we didn't? What do you guys think, if we don't at least mention this here, but how about Russell Wilson in the playoffs over the last few seasons? He's been terrible. He has been absolutely awful. It's unbelievable that his star quarterback, and no one talks about it. It's like he just gets he has a good mojo. He gets he a has pass. good media mojo. The it's, media loves him. It's unbelievable. But, I mean, this guy is a great He's a great quarterback during the regular season. But, guys, he really is coming up lame in the playoffs, and he is burning people that are backing him in the window. It's going to be another year where he doesn't get an MVP vote. 
I mean, yeah. he, remember when everybody thought he was a lock first half of the season too? Like Russell Wilson was at one point, I think, at, at minus odds to win the MVP. And obviously you saw what could change, but it was a drastic turnaround from letting Russ cook to Russ getting cooked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no doubt. And then, and then one other thing real quick. What do you guys think about the fact of how, how Vegas was uh, kind of bailed out there? I, I spoke to several, uh, reached out to them after the game, and 67% of the money here in Vegas late and steamed it towards Ben's Bears. And then we find out that they, the Bears that, all year. that they change the rule in the NFL, okay? <laughs> and now all of a sudden, the final play of the game, despite it being a scoring play, they don't come out or attempt to do the two-point conversion. Guys, we, both, we, we all know that game finished at 11. This game finishes 21-9. If they go for two and convert, the Bears cover. And if they kick the extra point, then it's a push for all those people that got on that, you know, that bet, you know, on Sunday, because almost everywhere Sunday morning early, you know, unless you were up before the birds came, you know, or even awake in the sunrise, you were getting 11. So to see the way that that game ended and then to know that the NFL changed the rule and most people didn't even know about it. It was just like, it's just incredible to see. And it's incredible to see that, you know, the books want to cry and they want to say that they're, you know, over, you know, they're, they're getting killed with these teaser wages, but they come out on the winning side because out here in Vegas, I can't speak for DraftKings or any of the other sports books, but overall, they were on the right side there because they were rooting for the for the the Saints to cover actually because everyone decided to take the points with the biggest underdog on the card, which was the Bears plus eleven plus ten, nearly ten and a half almost all week. You know, it was at nine and a half very, very early and moved quickly as we talked about here over at the SI Gambling Podcast, all of us guys. You know, we talked about it. We said that that number was going to move to ten because they wanted to take away the opportunity of anybody teasing through that prime number of three and getting the Saints at two and a half. But you know, guys, that that just to me is unbelievable how the NFL changes a rule and then all of a sudden it comes out to be a benefit of the books. No doubt. Why wouldn't it be a benefit of the books? I just, you know, it's funny this weekend is, you know, the sports betting as it's obviously a big talk now in NFL playoffs, national championship. You got the NBA season back and, and, and so on and so forth and college basketball and March Madness to be here before you know it. And as these states become legal, I had a homegirl of mine text me and she said to me, I want to learn how to sports bet. And I text her back. No, you don't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, same night, I believe it was Saturday, it was either Friday or Saturday night. No, it was Friday night. I had NBA going, right? And I had three teams. So I had two teams up by 20 points and both lose, right? And then the ultimate NBA bad beat. This is the one that stings the most. When you get to an in-game situation, and I had I had the Spurs. It was the Spurs and the Timberwolves. First of all, betting on basketball with the COVID and the health safety, the health and safety protocols, you never know when somebody's going to be put up is, is, is going to be taken out the game. These you can't really bet basketball until the tip off. So out the blue, Carl Anthony Towns is back. You know what I'm saying? So he's back. He plays. Right. I'm laying four and a half, battling all night, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, late in the fourth quarter, the Spurs get ahead. Now the Spurs have a three-point lead. They come down. They shoot a three. They miss. The uh, Timberwolves get the ball back. They come down. They shoot. They miss. 
right? It's like about four seconds left. The Spurs get the rebound, and you can see the coach yelling, foul, foul, foul. Nobody commits the foul. And instead of winning the game by five points, the Spurs win the game by three points. That's one night, one night, two teams up by 20 and lose, and then the NBA bad beat where the team doesn't foul. So anybody asking you about getting into sports betting, that's why I tell them. I don't know if you really want to do that. So let's get ready and roll ahead and see what we can do for this upcoming week right here. And I want to start, I'm going to pull out my DraftKings Sportsbook app, Frankie, and I want to start with uh, the first game of the, the first game on the slate for the weekend, and it is the Cleveland Browns going to Kansas City to face those Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. This right here is going to be a very heavily bet game on the for the for the Kansas City Chiefs. That game is on Sunday, but we can start with Sunday and we'll circle back. Kansas City Chiefs right now on DK Sportsbook are a 10-point favorite. Yeah, I think that you're going to see this line probably just continue to go up, I believe, because of the fact that a lot of people are going to, there's always strong support for Patrick Mahomes, and he is my boy. He is the team that I, I have several future tickets on. You know, I have one on the Buffalo Bills that's still remaining remaining as well in a futures wager to win the Super Bowl. So I, have a, I still believe that those two are on a collision course for the AFC Championship game. But this number, guys, I think is a strong number. Um, I believe that this number will be the most teased number uh, probably of the entire weekend that and probably bringing the Green Bay Packers down to a pick as well. But guys, this is this number. I, I actually feel like you might want to be on the side of the books here because once this number creeps to double digits, I actually believe that the Browns running game could actually pose problems and keep them in this game because I would be remiss if I didn't say it, but guys, it's important to highlight it. The Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, they finished one and seven ATS in their final eight games in the eight in the regular season. So they've been an absolute money burner despite winning 14 games straight up. So I think that the Patrick Mahomes and the boys, they get the job done here on Sunday, on Saturday. I think they advance to the next round, but I actually believe that this number, especially if it goes to 10 and a half, 11, or maybe even as high as 12 or 13, because we know that they're a public play and everyone is going to want to be behind Andy Reid and that high-powered offense with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. But guys, I think that the running game of the Cleveland Browns could probably keep them in this game because I'm not, I have still not been sold on this Chiefs defense to win any game by double digits. So I think you're going to want to be on the side of the books here for me. I lean towards grabbing the double digits once it goes beyond 10 and that we can get that 10 and a half, 11 in that range. But I'll probably wait closer to the kick because I think this number, like I said, will go up. But I think the Browns would probably be the right side here. Interesting. I don't know if you guys know if Eric Bieniemy can take head coaching interviews this week, but that's something that I would keep an eye on. Total sitting at 55 and a half on this one, uh, Ben. And like, like you, obviously the, the, the numbers is 10 and, and Frankie did an excellent job of breaking that down. What do you think? Yeah, I think that makes all the sense in the world. And and initially, I my initial uh, first thought was, you know, Cleveland is going to do whatever they can to try and take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands because when he's on the field, obviously he's dangerous. And uh, I know you just did the SI Fantasy podcast with Michael Fabiano when we yeah, taped it last week. We talked about the Browns giving up the most fantasy points on the road to wide receivers. So you already have uh, a dynamic wide receiver in Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins on the other side. They have good speed with McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson. So the Chiefs will be in an advantageous matchup against Cleveland's secondary. But uh, if Baker Mayfield is able to incorporate play action, if they run the ball effectively with both Nick Chubb and it's a 
quote unquote revenge game. If you really want to go in that direction for Kareem Hunt, I have some thoughts on that that I probably will leave off the podcast for this week. But uh, yes, it's still going up against his former team. And he said that it is a personal matchup for him. But I'm with Frankie here. I, I think the public loves Kansas City, despite the fact that they got burned by the Chiefs all throughout the second half of the year. In fact, both the Chiefs and the Browns were two of the worst teams in the NFL uh, at covering this year. So that's going to be a fascinating element of this game as well as which of these two teams that cost a lot of us a lot of money down the stretch his favorites uh, ended up burning a lot of betters the most. So I think I'm probably going to wait on this game as well. I, I think especially too, knowing that the Chiefs, for whatever reason, in the postseason, especially this year at home, they've been much better on the road, but at home, they just haven't gotten themselves going when they needed to until it's a little bit on the later side. Not only do I initially like the Browns, especially as the line continues to move, but I might also consider something on the Browns first half as well, considering that they got off to a big start against Pittsburgh, uh, considering that they're going to be running and very aggressive to take some chances against Kansas City, because the Chiefs know that they can turn it on at the right time. They just have gotten off to several slow starts over the course of 2020. I believe that the Chiefs were uh, it were trailing at some point in every game they played last year in the playoffs they on, were. The way to their, on the way to their Super Bowl championship. Um, Leslie, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into Saturday's games later on in the week, because I want to kind of cut this one short, because I still got you know, SI work to do. You know what I'm saying? Um, let's get to the the battle of the quarterbacks, uh, the two big time quarterbacks. And you got the, the Saints as a three point home favorite down there in the dome versus the Buccaneers, who they beat twice this season. So you got that narrative. But I also think, Frank, that this could be a situation where we see a trendy underdog in Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, 100%. I agree with you. I mean, uh, we're already seeing it, Corey, because this number opened, uh, you know, last night, you know, around town here in Vegas, as well as over at DraftKings. And when it opened, it had a hook on it. You know, Tampa Bay was catching three and a half. And now you can look and universally, no matter where you look and globally, you know, I don't care where you look right now, you will see a flat three. Everyone is united on this line. So Costa Rica even got the flat three. Yeah, everywhere. (laughs) No matter where you look right now, you're only going to find that three. So, you know, the shops, they were all over grabbing uh, Tom Brady with that extra hook there. And I think that that's actually the right side. And I think that you're, you know, you're agreeing to it, you know, to, you know, the fact of this being a trendy dog. But, you know, we know what the NFL wants. We know the NFL wants Tom Brady, in my opinion, versus uh, you know, they want that Super Bowl quarterback matchup against, you know, Aaron Rodgers in the next round because, you know, Tom Brady switching conferences. Wouldn't that be a story that in his first year he goes to the Super Bowl in a different conference now representing the National Football Conference and the NFC on that side after all these years representing the American Football Conference with the Patriots. But I actually believe that the referees we often know are often on their side and don't you know? Cover your ears, all the Saints fans out there, specifically Steve Renner oh and and some others. We know what's what has happened with the New Orleans Saints in playoff games with bad calls. So you know, guys, for me, my money will probably land on backing Tom Brady and Tampa Bay in this spot. You know, you know, Ben, you know how I feel about trendy underdogs. I like to fade trendy underdogs. I don't see myself fading Tom Brady this weekend. I don't blame you. I also think that what you saw from the Saints against the Bears for the first three quarters of the postseason wasn't particularly inspiring. Now, let's take a couple things into consideration here. The first is that Alvin Kamara had been away for the team for several weeks. He was practicing virtually. You saw them not really be uh, in sync. So that's one component. And then I also think about Breeze being able to play at home, the fact that the Saints are 2-0 against the Bucks. 
Um, this game has the likelihood of being a shootout, considering they're playing in the Dome uh, via Matt Moore of the Action Network. The over in playoff contests in Domes uh, has gone 29-13 and 13 against the spread. Um, so I, I think there's just something about the Saints. I mean, you talked about the, the component in the storylines and the narrative of Tom Brady. This is Drew Brees' last season. And Brady's more got one more year in Tampa Bay. So I think regardless of whether it's Tom Brady against Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees against Aaron Rodgers, uh, the NFL and the NFC is going to have an ideal matchup that they're going to want. So I don't think that's necessarily in play. Um, you know, we'll see what happens if if it if the public moves in the Saints' favor, then I'm probably going to stay away. But um, if the public decides that they want to back Tom Brady and it moves the line in a more positive favor uh, ahead of of the Saints, then I, I think I'm absolutely on board with New Orleans because that's my initial lean. Is, is is that even basically with the New Saints, Orleans? The New Orleans or, or Tampa? My, no, my lean is my lean is with New Orleans because okay. I think for as I think for as bad as that offense played, I, I think having another week where everybody can actually be together will only benefit them. I think Alvin Kamara will look much sharper. I think Michael Thomas will look even better. Jared Cook, uh, you know, missed out on a touchdown uh, in that game against the Bears. I just think a lot of things went wrong for the Saints and they still won comfortably against the Bears. Uh, they already have the confidence of knowing how to beat Tom Brady, especially in that building. So I am initially leaning towards the Saints in this one. I'm probably going against the books and against the sharp money for now. That could obviously change as we get more information over the course of the week. You know, you know, I've I've worked in a lot of different places throughout sports media, and one thing I'll say about my the people that I work with at SI, they're some of the most knowledgeable sports people. You really can't get nothing by them. And last night, as I was watching, well, not last night, but over the course of the past, I guess, six weeks, as we watched the Pittsburgh Steelers spiral out of control, mainly because they ate off a weak NFC East. That's really the reason why Pittsburgh had that inflated uh to I mean in total had that inflated record, and why we don't see Baltimore. Um, as the division champions. One of the things that I found very interesting, well, not interesting is, and it kept popping up in my head over the course of the last six weeks. And I'm like, well, I wonder if anybody's going to know this. And I thought to myself, I bet you Frankie would. Do you remember, Frankie, a certain team starting the season 10-0, then losing seven games in a row? Yeah, that would be probably the New York Jets. The New York Jets, 100% correct. 1986, they started 1986, off with, 10 and 0. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, with, with, with Ken O'Brien and Joe Walton, Wesley Walker and Al Toon. Yeah, they had a prolific offense and had an outstanding defense when they still had Mark Gastineau and Joe Klecko. But you got we would be remiss if we didn't mention, you know, during that season, the Jets lost uh, Joe Klecko due to a knee injury. Uh, he tore his ACL, and that changed the whole course of that season. But, yes, the Jets did, did still find their way into the playoffs, and uh, and it was a uh, you know a scary game. But you know that that 1986 was a great game, was a great year. You know uh, we had that unbelievable game in there too, Corey, with uh, Marino versus Ken O'Brien that 51-45 overtime thriller where uh, Wesley Walker caught a 52-yard touchdown pass that I was at. I was actually at that game. I still had seat. That was the first year of was that uh, Monday Night Football. No, that was on a Sunday afternoon. That was it on was a Sunday, okay. Yep, yeah, I, remember, um, I remember the score. I don't remember the exact game, but I do remember the team that beat the Jets to end the season to give them the seventh straight loss. It was Love Your Blue. It was the Houston Texans, the Houston Oilers. Yep, that's right. Yep, they couldn't stop. They had nothing really to stop. I believe that was Warren Moon Warren back Moore. then. Yep. With the run and shoot offense. I, I still remember it, you know, when I was younger with uh, Ernest Givens on the outside and then, you know, catching all those passes and that uh, that offense was was crazy. Um, running and, around in that Astrodome. 
I remember the run and shoot offense of the yep. old ball coach when the old ball coach brought the run and shoot to the NFL. It became the pass and punt. All right, so here we go. Let's get ready to hop into the uh, – before we get to the national championship, Ben, you see anything in the NBA you like tonight? I like the Knicks catching four and a half versus the Hornets. The Knicks and the Hornets is the most intriguing matchup on the board tonight. How about that? It's like this is where it's come. You had the Knicks playing well, <laughs> getting coached, getting coached up by by Thibs, which you and I talked about this uh, on a couple of podcasts before the season started. That we thought, you know, the Knicks and unders were actually going to come through so far in the early portion of the season, and and they have this. Listen, this has been one of those NBA seasons that's been very difficult to pro- to project, um, and we've had some great nights and some rough nights when it comes to betting on the association. But uh, we knew that that the uh, initially that the Tom. Thibodeau and the Knicks were going to defend and they were going to play well. So kudos to them. Uh, and Lamelo being the youngest player in NBA history to get a triple double. That's been impressive, especially after you know, a couple clunkers to start off the year. Like they really just weren't letting him do anything. They weren't giving him minutes and opportunities. Uh, and he stepped up, especially in a key matchup over the weekend uh, against brother Lonzo. So I, I think that's an, also an intriguing play. I got my eye on, I haven't actually made an official wager on it yet. I'll probably consider something in play, but you had the Knicks or not the Knicks, but the, uh, the Patriots. Pacers uh, on the road at Sacramento. This line opened up at minus two for Indiana as a road favorite. That line has since moved up to as high as five and a half on DraftKings Sportsbook. So it's a game I'm probably going to be keeping an eye on. I like the Pacers early on and just missed an opportunity to jump in at that minus two, minus two and a half. Jumped overnight to four and a half and has since continued up to five and a half. So again, uh, we talk about this too, especially if you're a part of the SI Pro community. If you miss that number, you know, a number that you feel good about and that you you just you, you wanted to get on. Wait for opportunities to, to bet in play. Try and find that that number during the course of the game. And that way you're not necessarily trying to pay a ton of juice on a number that you maybe didn't even want in the first place. So uh, if this number initially for the Pacers gets back to that level of of maybe two or three, then I'll probably jump on Indiana there. But for now, I'm staying away. Yeah, no, I, I did see that one too. Sacramento can be tricky, and I'm so I'm going to stay away. I did like it last night, but Sacramento can be tricky. Now, um, uh, right quick, the Chicago Bulls are the best team in the NBA against the spread, eight and three against the spread, or either eight and three or seven and three against the spread. And overall, in total, teams that did not go to the Orlando bubble are forty and thirty-one ATS to start the season. All right, Frankie. The big one, national championship. Here we go. Ohio State Buckeyes, Alabama Crimson Tide. And I tell you what, Frankie, it's very, very difficult for me to fade Nick Saban. Yeah, no, it really is. They look like they're the strongest team on paper. They had the best quarterback who won the the Davy O'Brien Award in Mac Jones. They had the best running back that won the Doak Walker Award in Najee Harris. And then we know that they also have, oh yeah, the Heisman Trophy winner on the outside in Devonta Smith. So for me, guys, it is a very difficult uh, endeavor for Ohio State in this particular spot. And it looks like the betters tend to agree. This line opened at seven and seven, seven and a half, depending on where you shop. It moved quickly to eight and a half. The shops, uh, you know, some there was some sharp action down there, brought this number right back to, you know, seven and a half. But as we know, here comes all the public love and the SEC love. And like you said, it's difficult for people oh, to, to fade Nick Saban. But that you're looking at Alabama now. Now in some spots out here in Vegas, now minus oh. nine. So uh, DraftKings are now minus nine. All right, we got some breaking news. Doug Peterson has been fired as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Wow, so that takes the tr- the trade of the Jets trading one of their first round picks off the table. Right, so they- <laughs> <laughs> but, there you go. Yeah, wow. I was going to say my my. I, I'm trying to remember the exact tweet from uh, from my buddy Carrington Harrison, but he basically said that. Uh, Going and looking at Doug Peterson is that he still he said Doug Peterson executed the mission in week 17 and still got the axe. The game is foul, and he's 100 yes. right. That guy won his Super Bowl what three four years ago with Nick Foles. I saw well, Nick Foles play this year. I, I know what Nick Foles is capable of. Very surprising to see Philadelphia already move on from Doug Peterson. Well, I'll go out this if if the, if if there's sometimes when they say there's. Uh, there, where there's smoke, there's fire. So for me, you know, the rumors and the rumblings were that the New York Jets were going to become like a, you know, they were, they've been involved in trades for a head coach when they traded Bill Belichick um, for first round picks to the New England Patriots. We see how well that worked out. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, there was a rumor that the Jets were looking to trade, you know, uh, draft pick, you know, capital for Doug Peterson. So for me right now, guys, as we're hearing this, you know, and Corey breaking this news uh, in our ears right now, I would actually say that I, I believe that you have the new front runner for the head coaching job of the New York Jets next year. And now I would I'm nervous as, as hell hearing that, because for me, this sounds like a typical Jets knee-jerk reaction, I would not be surprised if Carson Wentz doesn't play and change his shade of green and playing for the Jets next season. And we you see Sam... Carson Wentz want to put up with Doug Peterson again? Yeah, they, they hate each other now. I Listen, I just see the Jets making that and trying to force that. The Jets make... Listen, they are typical where they try to force a square peg into a round hole. So <laughs> watch the Jets do something like that because, you know, I, I know the rumors and the indications are that, you know, he's going to be traded or released. And at some point he winds up in a cult uniform with Frank Reich um, over there in Indianapolis because I think that maybe there's a strong indication, a strong, you know, rumors that, you know, not only is it Drew Brees going to walk off into the sunset, but maybe – Philip Rivers as well. So we'll see how that shapes out. But I wouldn't leave it past the Jets. But I think this could be the front runner now for the head coaching job of the Jets because I had heard strong rumblings that the Jets were considering speaking with the Eagles about trading picks. So if he's been fired now and now on the open market, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Jets jump in. All right, so there you go, right there. So we ran through the gamut. So Frankie, just to be, just to, just to double, just to double down on that because that news kind of broke while you were speaking. You like to lay the, you want to lay the crimson tie tonight, correct? Yeah, I would be, but I, I right now I have we listen. We've shared it with the SI Pro community. We have a monster uh, two team teaser that's still open. It uh, the first leg of it came through easily with the uh, cover your ears, Ben. The Saints coming through uh, minus three and a half against the Chicago Bears yesterday, and now we're open to cashing with just Alabama minus one and a half. My early indications in my early leans are here. If this number continues to climb and gets to nine and a half, I would buy the hook and take the 10. And I think we have a tremendous opportunity to middle this number because I think that there's a strong chance that maybe Ohio State with their running game with Trey Sermon can maybe keep this close and backdoor it. I love the possibility of getting Alabama, which we already have at minus one and a half, and then coming back on the other side and maybe having, you know, Ohio State plus 10 and creating that eight, nine point middle, depending on what number we can get. I think you have the opportunity to cash on both ends and hit the middle and look to, you know, really press it up and get a two unit victory. All right. So here we go right there. Now, 
I listen. I'm old. I'm old enough to remember. All of us are old enough to remember. Last year, Ben, if you remember, national championship day, Alabama Clemson, the smart money was all over, and I mean all over. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and the gang, and they and they and and and, and it didn't come out that way. Do you think, Frankie, that this is a situation where it's going to be like last year, where that smart money, that sharp money, is just, I mean, just got obliterated? Listen, this, I thought that that's what was going to happen. But I think what's stopping the sharp money from coming in and really hammering the underdog the way that they did in, in many situations here in these national championship games, I believe, is the overall health of not only the COVID-19 news, because we're still waiting to see if some of those, if if Ohio State's going to be missing any of their star players or important players or key players, you know, on both sides of the ball. But I believe it all comes down to the health and status of Justin Fields. He took a monster hit, as we uh, guys, as we know, in that victory over Clemson that resulted in a disqualification foul on a monster hit. And I just really don't know how well those ribs are really going to act up or heal or if they, if he's really ready if he listen boys we know it Alabama has one of the best front sevens not only in the SEC but in college football and we know Nick Saban <laughs> yep exactly so we know we know they're gonna bring the we know they're gonna bring the uh the heat guys we know that Nick Saban's gonna dial up the blitzes they're gonna see if this kid's ribs are really you know able to sustain an entire game they're gonna look to if they can't get you know, sack them. They're going to look to be able to get pressure on them to a point where they can at least knock them down and see really what's going to happen. But also that takes out the ability of maybe Justin Fields running the ball. So I think that's what's stopping a lot of this, you know, uh, sharp money or love for the underdog in this spot. Because if Justin Fields is not 100%, then I really think that this is going to be a double digit victory easily for Alabama. But if he is you know, able to, you know, I assume he'll be wearing extra padding on those ribs. I think that that is the biggest key. If he can play, listen, DraftKings, they they believe that he's healthy. They have his total yardage set at 309 and a half yards. So that should tell you right there that DraftKings is a believer that Justin Fields is healthy enough to play. Otherwise, they wouldn't have his number posted that high. Otherwise, they're, you know, leaving themselves open to gigantic liability with, you know, the shops looking to play under his total if they thought that he wasn't 100% healthy. But I think that's what's keeping this line, Corey and Ben. I think this is what's keeping this number from going above and steaming to 10, 10 and a half in that range because of the fact that everyone or even coming back down in the opposite direction is because of the uncertainty of how healthy is Justin Fields. Because no matter what, guys, he is the key to this being an actual game tonight and not a blowout. By the way, really quickly, really quickly, Frankie, from uh, ESPN's own Adam Schefter, former Eagles head coach Doug Peterson has a strong relationship with Jets general manager Joe Douglas, which could put one more head coaching candidate in play for the New York Jets. Enjoy Doug Peterson uh, in Gang Green for the next how many years? That's going to be uh, that's going to be fun. I wonder where I heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get ready to hop on up out of here for my guys. Ben and Frankie is Corey Parson, the Fantasy Executive. Good luck to everybody tonight. We are out.